The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game-changing leader assistants. The Leader Assistant Podcast is exclusively brought to you by Goody, which provides effortless gifting for all occasions. If you're tired of sending tacky, impersonal business gifts, then you should definitely check out Goody. My friends at Goody offer a collection of hundreds of curated brands like Levain Bakery, Therabody, Milk Bar, and Ember Mugs. With Goody, if your recipient doesn't like your gift, they can swap it out for one they do like. You can find perfect gifts for any occasion, whether it's work anniversaries, birthdays, new hire onboarding, or company swag. It's free to start gifting, and you get a $20 credit when you sign up. Also, be sure to mention the Leader Assistant Podcast when signing up, and Goody will add an extra $10 credit to your account. So go to leaderassistant.com slash Goody to disrupt the inefficiencies in your team's gifting strategy. Again, that's leaderassistant.com slash goody. Hi, leader assistants. I'm Megan Strout, CEO and co-founder of TAC Advisors. We're a full-service recruiting and consulting organization that helps game-changing executive assistants like you find and excel in your dream role with top CEOs and founders from innovative industries. Not only do we provide retained search for executives, but we also offer onboarding, one-on-one coaching, and virtual training for assistants like the webinar you're about to hear. If you're a growth-minded assistant looking for resources and or a life-changing role, reach out to me and my team at TACAdvisors.co and introduce yourself. I hope you enjoy this webinar and I look forward to hearing from you. I figured we'd start a little bit with context and why we're having this session today. And um, the reason why is Al Hussein and I actually just did this session for one of our clients, but our over our larger training program on how to minimize stress and prevent burnout. Um, and our executive business partner, Alexa, felt like it would be really beneficial if we did like a speed mini course on this for our greater admin community, because the reality is, is if you have Uh, had a pulse over the past two years, you probably have experienced extreme stress, um, have experienced burnout or on the brink of burnout. And so I thought it'd be appropriate to chat with you all about that today, especially with, you know, Al Hussein, who I think is probably has the most complex life of anybody that I know, and yet is like the ultimate Zen master. So I'm excited, Al, for you to chat with the community a little bit more on how you sort of manage stress and self-regulate. So thanks for joining me today. It's my absolute pleasure, Megan. And as Megan mentioned, look, if you've been employed during the pandemic, during the past two years, whether at home or hybrid or return to work, just kidding, return to office, just kidding, back at home, you probably have thought about the word burnout. You've, you've mentioned the word stress more times than you'd like. And so we're here to unpack a lot of that in a brief 30 minutes. Yeah, perfect. So I think that what, you know, for me, I'm a big proponent of just understanding like what is stress and burnout at its core, because as GI Joe said, knowing is half the battle. And so why don't we talk for a moment about what stress is? And um, the first thing to point out is that not all stress is bad stress, right? Stress is 
is there. It's your body's reaction to external stressors um, for you to be able to to function on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, 2000 years ago, the stress that people were experiencing is like running away from animals that were predators who were trying to eat them. We're not typically having that issue, although I'm sure there are certain parts of the world that are a little bit more remote that are worrying about that. But our stressors today are, you know, dealing with a crying child while you're on a Zoom call or having to, I don't know, what are some stressors that you've experienced, Al? Well, Zoom not working uh, and you've got a big uh, client meeting coming up or um your executive is like, wait, why, where, why is the link not working? Or, you know, communicating with you on the, because there's, we would all agree, too many paths of communication now. Email, okay. Slack, Teams, like instant messaging, DMs, SMS. And it's like, you're always on some device uh, mm-hmm. throughout the day and you feel like you're always behind, right? Always. That's a stressor. That's a, a stressor. giant inbox of emails that you can't get through. And that's yeah. probably my biggest stressor, right? Indeed. So, indeed. And, in, in, mm-hmm. and in, you know, if you look historically in the last 20 years, uh, most people in the English-speaking world today, average person in the English-speaking world today spends over four and a half hours on this thing every single day. Not including, we're not talking about tablets. We're not talking about laptops, just four and a half hours on this. Don't tell me that this isn't stressful sometimes, right? So stressful. And so um, I think the, the first thing to know and to understand is that, you know, historically speaking, back before the days of Slack and email and iPhones, there was a way to end stress and what's called completing the stress response cycle, right? Like, 2000 years ago, you're getting chased by a jaguar. Maybe it wasn't that long ago for, for some people, but you know, and you, you get away and the stress is over, right? Like you're safe. There's an end, there's a resolution. But the issue now is that it's really hard to break away and to completely unplug. Right. And so how do we complete that stress response cycle? Because if there isn't an end, your body never gets a chance to hit reset. And so I think the first thing to talk about is how do you complete that stress response cycle? So what do you do Al, as like the, the Zen master ex Buddhist monk to try to hit reset, even if it's just for a few minutes after a stressful day? Um, What am I supposed to do or what do I actually do? Look, look, (laughs) the reality is (laughs) even the best of us, even the best of us, even the best of us have bad days and even the best of us can fail, can fail in actually maintaining and keeping the promises we make to ourselves. And the hardest part about all of this is we know what's right, right? You open up your feed on any social media app, everybody's talking about burnout and stress and everybody's talking about what's right to do and what's wrong to do. Um, I just want to give us permission briefly before I answer your question, Megan, to just recognize that uh, the hardest part of this whole thing is making a promise to yourself and then keeping it. It's much easier to make a promise to somebody else and keep it, whether a child, a coworker, a boss, I'll never let my boss down, but I'll let myself down 
way too constantly. often. Constantly. Constantly. But I think, and I, I know I've mentioned this in previous webinars, most people who are administrative professionals tend to fall into that obliger category where they respond really well to external motivations like your boss or your family or your kid, but don't respond to internal motivations. I'm in that category, right? And so I cannot keep a New Year's resolution. I will tell myself that I am going to start that diet today and then then it doesn't happen. Like, let's just forget it. But as soon as it's somebody else holds me accountable, that's a totally different story. That's right. We are obligers. And what do we do is we give and we give and we give and we, because we're givers, we're givers by heart. And that makes us feel good. And we put other people's masks on first, their oxygen masks on first, even though we know that's not, you know, the, the, the modus operandi of how it's supposed to work. And so to answer your question, Megan, like the, the psychology of stress, mm-hmm. the psychology of stress to recognize, first of all, that the promises we make ourselves are the hardest ones to keep. Mm-hmm. And we just recognize that and know that that is human psychology for givers and for obligers. But the things that I do to answer your question are I try and establish what I call micro habits. Mm-hmm. I try and do small things that I can win at very quickly to feel as though I'm moving in the right direction. Here's an example. Um, after uh, many hours of Zoom calls and you know perhaps many hours of meetings, rather than going into my car and driving home and looking on my phone and turning on Spotify and getting into another technological loop, I tell myself I'm going to pause and I'm going to ask myself, what's one thing that I was grateful for today? Just to myself. I'm not writing it down. I'm not, I'm not verbalizing it. I'm just saying what went well today and who was responsible for that on my team, in my organization. And then sometimes it triggers another response, which is, is there something I should do to action that? Tell them or not tell them. Other micro habits are literally after a Zoom call, I will look away into the trees outside my window for five to eight seconds, just so my mind can clear away from technology and see human nature. Micro habits, small things that we can do on a regular that will compound over time. And there's a lot more. There's a lot more, of course, where that comes from. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, I was reading an article and it kind of goes into self-awareness and self-regulation, right? And so I've been doing a whole kind of just 15 minutes a day reading some different article on self-awareness and self-regulation. And self-awareness is recognizing your feelings, recognizing like I'm tired or my brain needs a break or I'm feeling stressed and where that is in your body, but then that self-regulation piece of actually then doing something about it, whether it is taking five seconds to look at trees instead of looking at a screen. And one of the things I read in this article that was really interesting about self-regulation is it has even even something as small as just your thoughts. And that's something that um, I thought was really interesting as they talked about um, if you're having a negative thought, Instead of saying, I feel this way, saying, I'm having a thought that I'm feeling this way. I'm having a thought that I don't feel like I explain that 
to my employee really well, or I'm having a thought that, and it kind of like removes you from the situation and puts that stress or that negativity kind of one step in between you, as opposed to it feeling really, really present. So I thought that was a really interesting, just like, I would call that like a little micro habit of changing the way that you think and the way that you're talking to yourself. So that would be, I think, another really good example of something that doesn't even take you to like, you don't need to get out of your chair for it. But I think that's the biggest issue. That's right. That's right. People feel like it needs to be to, to remove or reduce stress. One needs to get off their chair and go exercise and go change a light. It's not, it's in the micro, it's definitely in the micro habits. Um, you know, going back to something you said earlier, Megan, you know, about burnout and how it is a very common word and during the pandemic in these last two years, um, you know, I, I would just want to reiterate that even though you may love what you do, it doesn't mean you can't get burnt out from it. Yeah, I think that that usually causes burnout is right. because you're so passionate and you work so hard that you don't, again, self-regulate and give yourself these breaks. Yeah. And so, you know, and we all would admit that, you know, quitting when things get hard is a great way to get nowhere in life, right? <laughs> because we're not quitters. Like we're, you know, we're the A-team, right? So we, we have the expectation that we put on ourselves, the, the stress that we put on ourselves, not to quit when things get hard because the people around us aren't quitting. And we have a lot of duties and responsibilities to those people around us, including our families. But what we're talking about today is not quitting. It's recognizing the signs of burnout before it's too late. So here's a couple of signs of burnout that could be impending um, and something that you should perhaps action for those of you who are listening. The first is, um, but first of all, by the way, when you hit the wall, it is too late. So uh, this is, and, and sometimes you can't come back from it because it can be so debilitating. Uh, you'll find yourself often, you know, perhaps like, uh, you know, like, like some of us, you know, uh, in a fetal position, rocking back and forth in our bed, uh, <laughs> you know, after binge watching Netflix for six hours, that's when it's too late, y'all. That's when it's too late. Um, but if your friends and the people who love you are express worry about you and tell you things that you don't want to hear because you think, yeah, I don't think she really knows me that well. That's not true. Listen, listen to them. There's some truth that they see that they're, that they're saying to you. Uh, I'll tell, I'll give you a perfect example. There's somebody actually on this call. I, I saw her name pop up. Um, we did an event in San Jose on January 15th at the mountain winery. And we had a special, um, we had a special um, evening planned just for leader assistant members. And she, she pulled me aside and she was like, what's wrong with you? And I said, <laughs> what? Like, what, you didn't like my talk? She was like, no, you're about to like drop. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're not sleeping well. I was like, how do you know I'm not sleeping well? I started getting defensive. Um, she's like, look, are, are you even exercising anymore? And like, when's the last time you actually took a beat? And, and I was really like taken aback at first. I was like, how dare you? How dare you approach me? You don't know me. Like you haven't seen me in how many But then I said to myself, maybe there's a truth there. Maybe there's something she sees that I don't see. 
Because I, I look at myself every day in the mirror and I'm like, oh, it looks the same, right? Um, if your friends are communicating to you that, hey, I think you need to like take a beat, listen to them, listen to them. Even if, even if you may not agree with their intentions, uh, there could be some truth there. So that's one perhaps um, sign of impending burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan, do you have other signs that, that, that you uh, know of, of like how to recognize when it's about to happen or before it happens? Yeah, I think um, going back to, you know, quite often you can be burnt out from a job that you love. And so if you've been in a job that you love, or you're doing something that you love and suddenly you don't feel like you love it anymore, right? That, that feeling of apathy or of just kind of like a lost guiding light, that's a very common sign of, of burnout. And um, it kind of goes into another exercise I was doing on the past week on this sort of like self-awareness journey. And it had me... Um, write down, like think back to the last time that you really felt joy in what you're doing. And I, you know, as you write it down, it's like, what exactly were you doing? Where were you? Why do you feel like you felt that way? And at the end of the day, like the tasks I was doing were all the same tasks I've always done. But I realized that in that moment, the reason why I was feeling so much joy is because I wasn't burnt out. I was eating healthy. I was doing some kind of physical activity. I was creating some space between my business and my personal life and being involved in social activities. And that's really, really hard when you are starting a company or now in this pandemic world where like my office is in my house. (laughs) There is a door separating (laughs) from my living room and like, that is it. Right. And so it's really, really hard now to create those boundaries that, um, used to be there that just don't experience it anymore. And so, um, I've had to change the way that I, I think about my life and what I'm doing and self-regulate and create micro habits and like micro boundaries for myself to give myself some of that space. Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification, the first of its kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com slash Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus and enroll today. So what I'm hearing, Megan, is it's like a constant thing. It's like. It's, it's every day of every moment of your life. But I think the important thing to not get overwhelmed by it. And this is actually something that Alexa had shared with me um, that she had learned a long time ago is that it's, it's really is about like one day at a time and not even thinking about it, like in a whole day, but in like, I think she said she thinks in 30 minute increments and that's what keeps her sane. And so it's, you know, being really, really present in the moment. And like you said, as soon as you're done with a, a zoom 
chat, like taking five seconds to like change your physical point of view, look at something different, do a deep breath. It doesn't have to be something big. Cause I think if you're thinking long-term, it just takes so much energy and it seems daunting and something that's not realistic. At least for me, that's how I feel. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, going back to just that, which is many of us believe that the world and life happens to us. But if, if you are on this call, on this webinar, and a part of our community, you know that life happens for us and it happens for you. And so switching your mindset of owning the responsibility of what comes when life happens for you, I think is, 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 is part of it. And knowing that there's something here, whether it's work-life balance, whether it's work-life integration, whether you're working from home during the pandemic with two kids, whatever it may be, there is an answer and a gift in that here for you. Uncovering it is the hard part. Uh, unpacking the gift is the hard part. Um, but part of it is recognizing that you know, we all are collectively experiencing a significant amount of stress, collectively experiencing what may near us towards burnout. And so there is a collective uh, beat that I think all of us are taking in the corporate world around this. And so that's very helpful. Yeah. And I want to point out one thing that I think is interesting. Um, and this is a, a nice, I think, also just a shift um, of mindset is I think it was Karen said, you know, work-life balance is impossible. It's about work-life integration, but I think it's also like family and life integration, work and life integration, finances and life. integration. Like, there's so many things outside of like work is not the only stressor. Family is a stressor. Other commitments are a stressor. And so it is about finding a blend or finding an integration, but it, at the end of the day, kind of what you're saying, I was saying is it starts with you. Like the only person who can prevent burnout is yourself. It's not your family. It's not your, your colleagues. It's not your manager. The only person who has any kind of control on self-regulation and be, being able to create healthy micro habits and boundaries is the person in this bag of skin right here. So even, even when we download, we make an intention to download the Headspace app, the Calm app, whatever your favorite app is to help in this regard. How many of us feel guilty after we download it that we haven't opened it and used it, right? And so just, and this is what I'm saying, the promises that we make to ourselves are the hardest ones to keep. And so perhaps that's too big of a lift. Perhaps that's too big of a lift to listen to this, you know, melodious voice 30 minutes before you go to bed every night to help you sleep better. Um, so again, focus on the smaller things and the things that don't drive towards um, creating more guilt because that, that's, that's not we need, what we need more of right now is like, you know, because that is part of the rat race. It's like, oh, do you have the latest gadget? Are you on the Peloton? Are you on the Fitbit? Are you on the Woosh? Are you on the Calm app? Like, and, and, and we compete with each other, 
particularly in the corporate world, for uh, you know reduction of stress, for um, exercise, for these things that are supposed to make us feel better. But inevitably, what also happens is it also makes us feel worse about ourselves. Because mm-hmm. you look at your Aura Ring app and you're like, wait, I didn't sleep well last night. And then you start beating yourself up about it, right? And so the, the reaction to the data is also important. And the reaction to these, um, these uh, technological advances that are trying to help us is also critical. Don't fall for the tra- trap of creating more pain for yourself by, um, by accessing these, these, these technologies that you're not able to make use of. Yeah. So we talked about as far as things to prevent or minimize stress and prevent burnout. We talked about um, being self-aware, acknowledging and identifying feelings that you have inside of you, um, you know, regulating them and uh, creating little micro habits, whether it's like taking a moment to look outside, uh, taking a moment to take a breath, changing the thoughts in your head that you're saying um, to yourself what else, what else can people do uh, to try to minimize stress before burnout sets in? Yeah, walking away from your computer is a huge one. Walking period is a huge one. You know, take your PTO. Um, that's yeah. right. You know, uh, we, we had, a, I had, a, I had a friend who told me that she didn't take her maternity leave during the pandemic. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> take your maternity leave it's a it's a it's a human right at this point uh for u.s companies in the united states um do take the time for self-care um here's a small one but it's a really important one and it's hard it's hard for me it's hard for megan and it's hard for you because you guys are obligers and you're givers and you give to your family and you give to your friends and you give to your bosses and you give to each other say no more often Yes. I actually write down, I used to write down when I would say no, just to make sure at least a few times a week, I was saying no to things because if I was not, this obliger instinct would kick in and I would feel like I I need to say yes. I need to say, well, but then what about me? Who's taking care of me? So as a goal, ask yourself, when's the last time you said no? And you have to obviously have the smarts to know when you say no and what to whom you say no. Yeah. But, you know, when did you say no last? Are you saying no often enough? And are you replacing the no with me time? Hashtag self-care time. Yeah. That's really important because you could squeeze in another 45 minute meeting today. You could because we're all at home and this whole thing in Zoom, or you could say no and do it, find another time on the calendar next week, this week. So you can go and spend time doing what you wanna do for your self-care. Yeah, and I think it's important and Karen kind of touched on this too in the chat about saying no and not feeling guilty. And so, you know, as really great administrative professionals, there's definitely times where it's not appropriate to say no, right? It's a yes, but let me, you know, offer some alternatives or whatever. But in the times when you really can say no, right, what um, that piece of not feeling guilty, and this is something we talk about a little bit in our training course, is 
the reason why people have a hard time saying no is because in their head, there's, they have consequences for these actions. Like, oh, I'll let this person down if I say no, or this is never going to get done if this says no. And so what if you just remove those consequences? Because a lot of times consequences, again, is just your perceived reaction of what you think is going to happen. And it's not reality. Right. And so um, saying to yourself, like, sometimes it's okay to say no, no is a complete sentence and the world will continue moving on without me that, <laughs> for this little thing. That's exactly right. And yeah. it's okay to say no to your family members. It's okay. To I did it this weekend. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay <laughs> My mom to wanted me to go to my family that was in town. I'd seen them the day before and I needed a personal day. And I told her, no, I was like, is it really important? Like, because yeah. I'd really rather just sit in the silence of my apartment today. Yeah. Or, you know, you've got four, six members of your team on that meeting. Do you really need to attend? Just say no and have them just update you. Like, again, the permission to say no without guilt and understanding how powerful that is, particularly for us as obligers, for givers, and for people who love to serve. We need to say no more. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat through this with me today, Al. I think that, you know, you're, you're the ultimate guru at saying no and creating boundaries and self-regulating. So I really appreciate you doing this with me. It's always Megan, a pleasure. Megan, I love, I love working with you. I, uh, I, uh, I keep it together, but I have bad days too. Remember folks, Keeping the promises we make to ourselves is the hardest thing. And I struggle with it. I know we all do. Think about that as you think about stress, stressors, and think about the power of no. Thank you all. Have a great day. Bye. Please review on Apple Podcasts. GoBullows.com